Once again, we ask, is this a new thing or a very old thing? Enough of that. Join us as we discuss our culture stray further every day. Hi, my name is Jonathan Fiala for Further Every Day, and I'm sorry for subjecting you to that, but um, we're going to make the case today that this is not a new thing. This is a very old thing. But before we get into it, I want to go around the room real quick and uh, introduce everyone. Today in studio, we got uh, Miss Nikki across the room from me. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Doing well. Glad to have you here in the chair of theology. Of course. <laughs> Dealing with the reason why we believe what we believe. And uh, to her right, we got uh, Mr. Steve. You bet, man. Chair of culture. And tell you what, John Arthur, I'm glad you I, turned I, that I, off when you did. I, man, I, I was getting ready to jump up and it's turn that off. <laughs> well, it, it, it's, it's nauseating. And that's, and that's the thing that really gets to me is this is the culture that we're in right now. And what, what we're watching is... What happens without God in the culture? And, and I, 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 I want to go a little bit further. And I'm sorry if you guys didn't want to listen to this. If they're children in the room, get them out. That, that whole thing. Because, again, we're talking about uh, abortion and about the uh, ancient religion of Moloch starting to see a new, revised, and revamped spirit in the world today. Uh, let's read a little bit of that. F-R-E-E, baby daddy free. That means I ain't got a blank ab coming out of me so i'm a-b-o-r-t-i-n-g on the way to the clinic i forgot the plan b you could have but anyway uh let's go b i got murder on my mind i'm bfd baby daddy free continues i'm not going to read the whole thing but uh ain't no blank inward toughen me can't put me on a shelf b i am outside with the team all these bees having babies that ain't gonna be me. Wonderful English. Uh, said he wanted to settle down inward, selling all these dreams. Be he's cheaper by the dozen if he has any more. I'm only 25. I got a couple of years to go. Don't need a babysitter because this baby has got to go. There's a it's a shortage on milk and the diapers be expensive. I done took care of inwards. Now it's time to take care of me. Uh, Shakespeare it. That is not, but it does say something about where our culture is. And it's something that we were talking about this before we got on mic and we were talking about how unnatural affections come when you abandon God's natural order. I I know you have a lot to say on that, Miss Nikki, as a mother of of five kids and as a godly woman. Well, there's there for, for most women around the world there's a natural affection however that can be influenced by your culture and if your culture is um certainly an ungodly culture it can produce un- you know unnatural feelings so not every woman but 98 to 99 percent of all women have a natural feeling of protection for their, their child but that feeling is really, it really comes from God, right? I mean, it, it's something that's given. It's innate yes, in nature. Yes, it's, it's, it's in, yes. But when, it's internal. It's an internal thing that you're n- normally born with. But once you separate yourself from God, and, and that's a really good lead into the chair culture, and we're going to talk a little bit more about our culture. We're going to camp out in this for just a little bit before we get to Moloch. Because again, all of this comes down to, this is not a new thing. This is not a new thing. But before we get there, I do want to go to the chair of culture. Once you've removed God from the culture, what's man's natural inclination, Mr. Steve? Um, Well, you get into nihilism. You go, a lot of people will look for something to go to. They look for something to look higher to. Now, you know, they may not look to 
the Lord God, but they're going to look to some kind of paganistic thing. They're going to get into something. And usually what happens is that's when Satan comes jumping out of the bushes at you. And, it, and, and he's going to tell the lies. He's going to do the deception. And he's going to do all of his little sneaky things to get you and bend you and do what it is that he wants you to do. You know, God has given women value. And in today's culture, with what women do nowadays, like having maybe 50, 60, 100 partners or whatever it may be, having, you know, four, five, six abortions, they lower their value. How many men want a woman that's not has a lot of value to them? A woman that goes into a marriage or makes it hard for a man to get and has high value to her, a man wants that kind of woman that has high value. They come up and they go, hey, this is my wife. This is my girl. She, this, this is mine. This belongs to me. She has a lot of value because why? No other man can get to her. She doesn't want somebody else. She wants me because she hasn't, lowered her value going through life. She looks to God. She has a high value system. That makes a lot of sense. The God, and God puts that in you, speaks about it in the Bible. And that's the right. natural order. And, but that's exactly what you're seeing with this feminist movement. The way, again, we can all be complementarianists or egalitarianists and agree also that the feminist movement has made women more like the men that they're supposedly hate. Well, I think it's also right. taken them away from, um, moved them away from natural affection too. Uh, if you are a, a female or even a male, but it's stronger in a, in a female, and you have unnatural affection toward your child, you'll have unnatural affection toward anybody. You don't yes. value the life of your own child who... Who else has a greater value? Exactly. And right. that, that's all born out of a destruction of the Judeo-Christian ethic. Right. And we're we're going to talk Correct. about it because, again, what does Satan always do? He tries to destroy the family. That is his primary target and goal Correct. because if he can destroy marriage, he destroys the image of Christ in the church. If he can destroy the parent-child relationship, he's destroyed the relationship of God the Father and the individual. If Satan can bring that down, that's what he wants to do. And he wants to do it on a cultural level. So where do we see our culture? Well, again, abortion has become this sacrament and they, you know, Nancy Pelosi, you know, abortion has become a sacrament. You look at, uh, uh, Michelle Wolf, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Michelle Williams, excuse me, we're going to get to Michelle Wolf. Michelle Williams saying, I couldn't have got this Golden Globe if I hadn't, if it wasn't for abortion, right? She aborted one or two of her children during her acting career. You look at uh, uh, Miley Cyrus is now doing this um, uh, promotion where, you know, she's, she's licking a cake for Planned Parenthood. You know, it's just, it, it, they cannot crawl over themselves, and it gets to the point where you start to see spectacles like this. And again, I'm sorry if your ears are sensitive, but you're going to have to listen to Michelle Wolf for just a second, and uh, we'll we'll talk about it. But you see stuff like this. Abortion! I salute you, women. If you need an abortion, get one. If you want an abortion, get one. If you're not pregnant, but you think you eventually might be and want to order a future abortion. It's about $300. That's like six movie tickets. Movie tickets, a bad deal. <laughs> and women, don't forget, you have the power to give life, and men will try to control that. Don't let them. <laughs> God bless abortions, and God bless America. God bless abortion, and God help America. Oh, oh my gosh. God bless America. I don't God think it works that way. blesses abortion. I don't think so. No, I, I, I don't think so either. In fact, 
what what you're seeing is the worship of a very different God right there. And you're, you're watching something that is entirely unnatural. It is it's, entirely it's a, sick. It's the, um, it's the worship of the body. It, when, the, when the, um, you know, the creation worships creation more than the creator, that's where we are. And, you know, if you want to get a future abortion, but, you know, there's no talk about being responsible sexually. This Why? Is, why, why would if you, you? Why do you have to have a second abortion? If you had a first abortion, don't you figure out that you might be irresponsible and need to be responsible? That's what this is about: is about taking responsibility for your actions. Well, it's not even it's not even that. It, it's worse than that because it, it's a glorification of oneself, and and that's really what every sin ends up being. It, it, idolatry. Satan has a lot of props and a lot of trappings that he holds up. All these sock puppets. But they always end up being self-exaltation, self-exaltation, pride, built on a lie. Glorification of oneself. It was the original sin that sin, uh, Satan committed, and it was the original sin that he, com- he tempted Eve with. It, was the ori- it is the original sin, self-exaltation. And where, where you see it really come to head is, in, and again, if you have kids in the room, we're going we're gonna to be using some grown-up words here, so please get them out of the room. But uh, this is from the liberal link in the description, as always. Uh, abortion has now become a fetish. And um, uh, I, I don't know if, if, if you want to pick that up, Miss Nikki. Uh, there's, there's the quote from the liberal. Now, you want me to start with, I know this fetish? Yes. I know this fetish. My girlfriend and me have the same fetish. My girlfriend enjoys her pregnancies and she enjoys the abortion. Her preferred date to abort is between 20 and 24 weeks of gestation. I enjoy making her pregnant, and I enjoy the time of her pregnancy. She has no menstrual period, and she is sexually very active. In the last 10 years in our relationship, we have done seven abortions, and my girlfriend is pregnant again with a little girl. Yeah, that's just about the sickest thing I've ever heard. Well, and again, it comes down to the glorification of oneself. There's a certain amount of power that is being exercised here. And again, the, the people get off on committing harm and pain when they themselves have suffered trauma. I don't know, I don't even care what their trauma is, but they have some, these two do. Uh, well, and, they're, and they're living it out repeatedly on their children, and they're repeatedly sacrificing okay, their Okay, so children. you know, if you, if you were to lock your child in a cage... That's abuse. If you don't feed your child, that's abuse. This is just abuse. I mean, this is not just, oh, I actually got pregnant and now I have to have an abortion. This is mentally sick. And that, t- that's just all that is. There's, there's no words for this. And they'll tell you that, 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 this is not the, that this is not what abortion is for. I mean, it's safe, legal, and rare, right? We heard that over and over and over again until this last decade when they said, shout your abortion. They said, go ahead, if it's your kink, commit an abortion. It, they said it would never get to this point. And guess what we were always saying? We're saying it's vile, it's depraved, something that is ungodly. God specifically spoke out against it. For those who say that abortion is not in the Bible, we'll get to you in just a moment, Mr. Steve. This I know is, you wanted to say something. Yeah, and, and you know, here's our culture going and leading its way towards God. And what does it do? It goes... Makes this U-turn, and Satan's down here going, "Come on, come on, here, I got this for you. Here's here's some candy, just like the boogeyman in the bushes going, I got some candy for you." And, and we fall for it. Sure, every single time. And what happens? Low value in a person. They see it in a child, and then that person sees themselves as low value, even though they're trying to bring themselves up to make themselves feel better, that's all they're doing is lowering their value. You're dehumanizing the child, and in so, you dehumanize yourself. And, and, right. and, and that lady, and I'm not even going to try to pronounce her name because it's like a TKJN or something. No, no, no vowels. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm not going to pronounce your name, lady, uh, if I can call you that even. Um, it, the ironic thing is that Planned Parenthood who she glorifies so much is specifically built around 
limiting or reducing or eliminating people that look like her. And you've bought it whole lock, stock and barrel into the idea that this is a good thing. And that's what sin always does. And, and again, let's, let's, let's drill down in just a little bit on that. But where does this come from? Well, Moloch was the ancient god of destruction. You had Baal was the, was the god of creation, the king of kings. Moloch actually comes from Melech. It's very similar in, in the Semitic languages, which means king. So he also was a king. And, and we're going to read some Bible verses in a little bit where if you weren't reading carefully through, you might make the mistake of thinking that it was some king or that it was God, actually. No, no, no. They're talking about a different king. They're talking about Molech or Melech or Moloch, depending upon which language you're in. But um, in the Midrash, uh, you actually see a little bit of this uh, from uh, uh, Tan. Chunam uh, Buber, in addition to Benikadam, section two. And again, I know I butchered that. I'm so sorry. But uh, here's something out of the Jewish tradition. How did Moloch work in the valley of Ben-Himon? It was built outside of Jerusalem. It was an idol with the face of a calf. Interesting. And open hands like someone who wants to take something from another. They would light this idol on fire until his hands were scorching. There were seven chambers before him. And according to the quality of the sacrifice, this is how close one could come to him. If one had a bird, chamber one, goat, chamber two, sheep, chamber three, calf, chamber four, cow, chamber five, ox, chamber six. You could only come to the closest, innermost chamber. You were closest to this God if you brought your child. The priest would say that uh, you're offering the greatest sacrifice. Therefore, you may enter the innermost chamber and kiss Moloch priest would then take the child and place it near Moloch, where they would bang the drums to drown out the cries of the children. Yeah, the, the, the children burning to death. Alive. Right. And, and, and some scholars actually go so far as to say that this, this did not happen, but um, if you actually read the Bible, which you will in just a moment, uh, you'll see that actually God specifically talked about taking the life of the innocent children. And uh, this case, so th- this is an excerpt from Biblicalpedia, uh, biblicalcyclopedia.com. This is, guys, I love your work. I hate your name. Uh, just saying. <laughs> the king was lord and master of the Ammonites. Their country was his possession. Jeremiah 49.1. We actually see some evidence there. Concerning the Ammonites, thus saith the Lord, hath Israel no sons, hath he no heir? Why then doth the, their king inherit Gad? And his people dwell in his cities. So we see that this is actually the, you know, and the Ammonites were the ones that came in and, and sacked uh, Israel. So you're, you're seeing some of that there. As Moab was the inheritance of Chemosh, the princes of the land were princes of Malcolm. If you can get 43, uh, excuse me, 49.3. Howl, O Heshben, for Aeas spoiled. Cry, ye daughters of Rabin, Reba. Gird you with sackcloth, lament, and run to and fro by the hedges, for their king shall go into captivity, and his priest and his princes together. And then Amos one fifteen. If you can, if you have that on, on on quick poll, if you don't, don't worry about it. Which one is it? Amos one fifteen. Amos, I don't. No worries. Uh, so his priests were men of rank, and we see that in Jeremiah forty nine three, as we just read, taking precedence from the priests. Uh, or from the princes, rather. So the priest of Hercules at Tyre was the second to the king, uh, via Justin the Martyr, 18.4. Uh, and like Moloch, the god himself, Baal Shaman is the king of the city. Priests, the priests of Moloch, like other idols, were called Sherimen. And you can find evidence of this in Kings, Second uh, Kings 23.5. So while she's getting that, you see actual evidence of... Chemosh or Molech, you know, and again, those are the two uh, different languages. You see evidence of them throughout the Bible. Go ahead, Miss Nikki. And he put down the idolatrous priest whom the kings of Judah had ordained to burn incense in the high places in the city of Judah and in the places round about Jerusalem, them also that burned incense unto Baal, to the sun, to the moon, and to the planets, and to all the host of heaven. So 
That's another thing. Baal and Moloch were very closely interrelated, and so was Ashtoreth. Again, mm-hmm. you, you see the self-actualization. And where they gave, how they gave these, these children up, they gave them for the benefit of themselves and of the land. And again, what do we see with global warning? What do we see with your own self-actualization? They're telling you to have less kids, or even in some countries, they're mandating that. And so... Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah Go exactly. Ahead. You know, here, here we have in this country the uh, reduction in the number of people that are being born per family in this country. And in here, they're talking about the way these, some of the, this new uh, vaccine you're so getting uh, re- uh, reduces the sperm count on men and children. And so, I mean, what, how's that going to affect people when they go to have children? And that's a really interesting uh, tangent that I don't necessarily want to dive down right now, but it, it all does play well into the general theme of what does Satan want to do? He wants to destroy the family unit. What exactly? What were the two times in biblical history where you saw a mass abortion of children? Which two people? Satan tried to kill by killing the children. Well, that was when uh, Christ was born, and he um, they went in to kill all the the baby males under two years old, and then it was um, Moses. It, well, yes, yeah, so the children of Israel were in captivity, and they were getting stronger. So the the Pharaoh then decided to kill all the baby males at the time they were born. And again, that's something that. Every single time you see it, and in a nation like America, when she starts to stand strong, what do you see Satan doing? Going for the children. Do you have Psalm uh, 106, uh, 37 to 38 for us? Yes. Uh, Yea, they sacrifice their sons and their daughters unto devils, and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and of their daughters, whom they sacrificed unto the idols of Canaan, and the land was polluted with blood. Now, you know, the next one is important, too. Yes. Because thus were they defiled with their own works and went a-whoring their own inventions. Their mindset, whatever they set their mind to do, that's what they did. And that's where we are. It's not new. It's It's just not new. No. It's right in the eyes. You know. Yep. And so in, in Jeremiah... 731, you, you, you have a further codification. For those of you who say that abortion is not in the Bible, for the liberal scholar who says that this is not somehow um, a, a sacrifice of blood with these children, uh, you know, Psalm 106, 37 through 38 and 39, really good, but also Jeremiah 731. And they have built the high places a Tophet, which is in the valley of the son of Hinnon, to burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my heart. So, let's break this down a little bit. We do know, now, that when someone says abortion is not in the Bible, you can clearly state otherwise. Links in the description, all the verses down there, you, you, can, you can pull them out. They're there. The next question is, why? Why are we breaking this down? I said that we're trying to destroy the, the, the image of God and the, and the relationships of God. But what does is, what is abortion really come at? Because what you have here, you remember Abraham and Isaac, what was required of him there, but what, what did not happen with Abraham and Isaac in the sacrifice of Isaac? Right. I mean, he didn't... He didn't. He knew that he was, his son was going to go home with him. But when the Lord said, sacrifice your only son, it was symbolism. I mean, he actually did tie him up, but the Lord was making a, a statement, and it was prophecy of Jesus Christ. So what you see in Moloch is something entirely different. You see man 
making atonement for sin or bettering himself by giving up his offspring, as though the offspring was man's own, as opposed to God giving up his only son. And what you see here is a, is a, it's a direct denial of what God had intended. Mr. Steve, I know you want to say something. Yeah, and it was also a, a statement of faith also for that because uh, he was, you know, showing Abraham that, look, I tell you this and you do this, and I want to see your faith. I want to see how you're going to do. And he did exactly what he was going to do, what he said he was going to do, Okay, I'll do this. You said this, Lord, I'll do it. If, if that's what you say, that's what I will do. And he goes and does it, gets ready to do it, says stop. Over here. Got something for him else, a substitute. Sins. Representation of Christ. Exactly. But- An innocent lamb. That's the thing that's always present with sin. You will always find that where sin is, Satan is doing a bait and switch. Or your flesh, by the way, we, we blame way too much on Satan. Your, your own flesh does more than enough of this. But our own desires, when we substitute what God has for us, for our own desires, we end up losing the preciousness, the special beauty that God has saved for us. Is Nikki? I just, you know, I just don't understand um, the self-centeredness of, of that type of culture. I mean, I, I don't, I don't get it. I, you know, I haven't just been, I haven't been exposed to um, a, a godless culture as a child. So it's very foreign to me. Well, and, and it should be foreign because these are not prosperous cultures. These are not going to grow and, and help uh, the country or the, the nation or wherever it is. Um, this is debauchery, and this is what happens, and it will become a conquered city, town, country, nation, whatever. Well, let's break down the lyrics of, of Baby Daddy. For, and, and again, Shakespeare, it's not. But unfortunately, it is what our culture is producing. And I, I actually want to do a little bit of a breakdown on this because there, mm-hmm. there are about five lies in this, in this horrible rap. I'm not going to call it a song. Horrible rap. Uh, first off, Baby Daddy Free means that you don't have, you don't have a husband. You don't have a family. That's the first thing. The man doesn't right. have responsibility. Well, and, and, you know? <laughs> and that's the biggest bait and switch, isn't it? It's, it's yeah. oh, no, 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 no. We, 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 we certainly don't want you to uh, uh, have to be held captive by a man who's going to protect you, love you, take care of you, watch over your children. We want you to be free. We want you to be free to be out there in the world and uh, acting just like the most animalistic men. Is the biggest bait and switch of feminism, where you're trading your again. I'm not talking about egalitarianism, and certainly not complementarianism. I'm talking about this idea that women can somehow be better at being men than men. And of course, you see the opposite side of the LGBT, where you have these men winning, winning women of the year accolades, like uh, uh, Mulvaney and um, Jenner, right? Right. So you're. Or- or men becoming pregnant. Correct. And so <laughs> what you're seeing is the destruction of the family. So baby daddy free. I'm free. That means I ain't got no inward baby coming out of me. And that's something. It used to be that babies were valued. Right? You read the Bible. I mean, and again, what's the value in, in having a baby in the natural affection, Miss Nikki? Well, you know, that's the thing that people don't stop and realize. There's a lot of joy in motherhood. When you see your child born, so much joy and happiness. I remember the very first one. It's incredible. And then, you know, you still have that joy as they're growing up. It's not easy. It's hard. But at the end of the day, it's worth it. 
And you know, when you're laying on your deathbed, you're not thinking about your career. You're thinking about your family. You know, that's what you think about. Those are the things that bring value is people that you are related to, that you love, family, those that are close to you. And I mean, that's also one of the biggest lies for men too, right? That, that Mr. Steve, that somehow babies are a curse, that they're a cuff on you. Like this uh, individual says later on in the, in the song, children aren't a, a handcuff. They're, they're a blessing. Are they right. not? Oh gosh, man. i tell you what I've, you know, I've raised seven kids. Got and I got sixteen grandchildren. I mean, <laughs> I've raised numbers of kids, and every one of them has been a blessing. I've raised a few grandchildren. Oh man, it has been some of the most wonderful times of my life, and they're all so different. That's what makes one thing so wonderful. And then seeing them grow up and be parents and raise kids and, uh, you know, and learn to be responsible parents and, and have a job and, and be responsible, (laughs) you know, but there's a, there's a fulfillment in, in, in God's nature and God's plan. Absolutely. And that's something that, that gets taken away because The the wholeness of family is the utmost. Right. The wholeness of family. A broken family is very painful for people to go through, but a whole family is is a wonderful thing. And, and again, what people ultimately end up doing is they look at the broken families that they came from or the broken families around them, and they assume that that's God's model. Just like, by the way, a lot of people look at Christians and assume that that broken person is somehow the model of Christ. They ought to be, but they're naturally flawed. Everyone in this room is naturally flawed. Do not, do not look to one of us or anyone else as a representation of Christ. Look to Christ and judge him on his merits. And then, frankly, judge us based on that and say, you're, you're saying you're holding to the standard. Try to hold to that standard. But instead, what people do is they look at the culture around them. And this lady goes, you can't put me on the shelf. I'm out with the team. And that right there has got to be one of the most selfish statements I've ever heard. It really is. It it is. It's like, okay, well, I don't want to be bogged down with family responsibilities. I'm going to live life. I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And um, it's just built on selfishness. So, Heck, man, she's going to end up being put on the back shelf because nobody's going to want her. She's going to be a low-value woman. Who's going to want something like that? And she, so she also goes on to say that she's 25 years old. She's got a couple of years to go. And the assu- assumption is, is that she can live this wild life working in front of uh, Planned Parenthood. There's, there's a problem with that on multiple levels whether it be that you're no longer desirable because you've been with so many partners or whether it be you, 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 you get past 30 something years old and you're considered a geriatric pregnancy. And, and, and I, I don't say that to be gross, but what, what, what happens is your chance of having a Down's syndrome child right. goes up by double or fourfold, depending upon where you are on that 32 to 35 line your chances of having a miscarriage skyrocket. So across the board, you don't have a couple of years left to go. And, and the chances of getting pregnant go way down at that point because by that time you lost most of your, uh, you know, your eggs by that point because women only have just a certain number of eggs. Period. Don't quote me on this, but I, if I remember the number correctly, it's like it's sub 5% at 40 years old for the average individual, right? Uh, average lady at 40 years old, it's sub 1%. People do get pregnant past that. Absolutely true. Uh, praise God. Uh, Sarah was, you know, 
90s. That, that was a God ordained. That was a God ordained thing. That was, of course, I think they're all God ordained. But that was he. He very much. That so. was a miracle. Very he, much so. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But what what you see there is is that there's this lie said told that you can somehow have your career and then also have kids. And this is something that that if you say this, you're somehow bad. And again, I know of a lot of ladies that had their kids, they had their family. Then after growing up, being 40, 50 years old, the kids are all gone. All of a sudden, they have a career. Well, I, actually, as a matter of fact, I don't want to tell on anyone in here, but you, that, that's kind of what happened to you. I was a stay-at-home mom, yeah. Now, my husband had a business, and I worked in his business, but... I homeschooled all my kids and was a stay-at-home mom, and now I work in the corporate world, and I enjoy my job, but I have the best of all the worlds because I took care of all my own kids, raised them, and now I have a job that I enjoy. Would you say you're unfulfilled? No. I think, no. I go to work, and I feel bad for some of the moms there that had to drop their kids off at daycare, and maybe their child didn't feel the best or, you know— child didn't want to go to daycare so they're grieving because they want to be home with their kid their child they can't so i feel bad for them um because that was never an issue and i mean again you don't have to be filthy filthy rich to do that you just have to be responsible with counting your pennies with, with with counting your dimes you have to make sure that you're you're being responsible if you want to be a couple that stays home. But what the, what the wife gets to do is actually inculcate those values in the children, gets to spend the time with the kids. And then, so it, it, so someone said it this way, the guy goes out and works all of, all of his life to retire. And if the lady wants to, hopefully, hopefully if she wants to stay home with the kids, the guy can bring in the bacon so that she can stay home raise the kids, then once the kids are out of the house, if she wants to go have a career, you have, you have decades of life experience over everyone else who's in the workforce. And if the man is, is capable and willing to provide that, it doesn't always happen that way, right? I mean, my, I'll, I'll talk about my, my family. My dad was in the workforce when he, when he married my mom. My mom was too. They married late. Um, they married in their 30s. And then my dad got sick. You know, that, that happens. Mom was going to be a stay-at-home mom, but she ended up having to work, you know. And, and so he, he's gotten better, but that only happened as I got older. So it doesn't always mm-hmm. work out that way, and, and I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. But that family dynamic, that is something very special when the mom can pour into the kids. But it's something that you see missing here, and it's totally out of the, it's out of the scope of imagination for folks like this lady who's twerking in front of Planned Parenthood. It's outside of, of her wildest dreams or imagination that she could possibly have all of it. Well, and the thing about it is, I think it's funny. I'm going to build this career, but I can't be responsible in sexual behavior. I'm going to build a career. You want this and you want that, but I'm not responsible in my sexual behavior. That's what this is about. This isn't about, this is about you taking responsibility for your actions. I don't understand when, when contraceptive is as easy to get as what it is. Why is that a problem? Uh, and then, then there are some people like that other couple where they get off on, on murdering their own children. And, and that's where I think this lady is. I, I think you're looking at something that is twisted. Well, I got murder on my mind. And you, can, you, yeah. can, you can thank the media for that because they're making this such a big issue because this is a political pull. This is a political pull for the— or the a certain party that wants power. And this is, we're going to give you this, you just give us the power. And so the media hypes this up, and people want to be the in-group, and so they embrace this, like, oh, yeah, this is wonderful, you know, and, and they go, they don't set, stop and think. They don't stop and reason. They just go headlong into the new fad. And it gives them it gives them a social power. It gives them a cultural power. For now, it does. Yes. For, for right now, but and again, the, the stupid, stupid, stupid thing about it. And yes, I'm saying this lady is dumb as a box of rocks. Is that she is promoting 
an organization that was literally founded by a lady who said she wanted to pull people like this woman, people with more melanin in their skin. She wanted to get rid of the human weeds. Speaking about black yeah, people. Yeah, and, and where did they place those places at? In black communities. That's where they started them. That's where they started them off, was putting them in black communities in the very beginning. So just kind of starting to wrap up the day here from the chair of theology, because we are coming up on our time. We started a little bit late today. Sorry about that, guys. Just from the chair of theology, when people say that abortion is not in the Bible, how do you respond to that? And also, how do we point people towards the correct direction on the issue of abortion from a biblical standpoint? Well, the the scriptures that I always go to is that Christ said that I knew you before I formed you in the womb, and that's in Jeremiah. And um, then you go to Psalms 139 about the care. You know, books in heaven are being written for the life of the child. So as a child is being formed in the womb, all those characteristics are being written down in books in heaven. That's not just, oh, a, a baby just happened. That's, that's a plan. A child cannot be conceived and a life cannot come forth unless God designs it to be. So there, there's no room for abortion because life is by the plan of God. So what would you say to an abortion-minded woman? Let's say that, that there is someone who is considering this in your earshot right now. How would you respond to that person from a biblical standpoint? That if God has given you a child, God will give you a way to deal with the responsibilities that come with it. I know from experience. Absolutely. Glorious thing. Absolutely glorious. Yeah, I, I mean, after raising uh, seven kids, and I'll tell you what, People talk about, oh, this one child, oh, this one child's going to create problems. And I'll tell you what, look at seven, and it created no problems. The thing is, is that sometimes you're not, you've, there's things in life you've got to learn to do without in order to have children and your family, in order to raise your kids, because they're very important. You got to put at times. Sometimes they got you. Got to think about them, and not so much as about yourself, and supply the needs for your family. So, isn't it selfish though to not you know not be able to give each child their own room and each child a uh, Cadillac Escalade and no. take each child on on three vacations a year? Isn't that selfish? No, you know I have a, a friend that was they they were millionaires. Okay, they were millionaires. She had her daughter share a room. Now, she could have given, and the reason she did that, she said, me and my sister are very close because we shared a room, and I want that for my, for my uh, daughters. Absolutely. I, I, I have fat friends, uh, uh, I'll use their name, that are mm-hmm. next. They're 14 kids, 14 kids in a preacher's parsonage, and we're talking 900 square foot. None of them would say, eh, I would rather have been aborted. I'm sorry, not, not a single one of them. They all loved each other. The girls were in the girls' room. They had nine bunks for the girls, and then they had five bunks for the boys. Yep. They loved each other. They were each other's best friends. They were also tearing each other, tear up, but that's what siblings do. But they, they ultimately are one of the most tight-knitted, loving families I know. And, I know a lot and, of people. And, and they're not the only one. Well, I know a lot of people look at that like that. Oh, my goodness, how do you do that? But the truth is, I mean— that's really not unheard of if you look at the history. People had one one room cabins that they raised families in. But if it works for the family, I think that's wonderful. I mean, it it's really if the children have a roof over their head, food in their stomach, clothes on their back, and they're in a safe environment, don't don't interfere with it. So that's exactly I completely agree with you. Yeah. So from the chair of culture, just giving that extra little bump there, wrapping up. When people say that getting rid of the dregs of society, the kids who are unwanted via abortion, how does one respond to that from a Christian cultural perspective? Well, let me just kind of start off by saying I've got 
a son who uh, has a son. I've got a grandson. He's, I think, four years old now, and he's autistic, very much so autistic. And, oh, he is such a just fine little boy, fine little boy. And we just love him to death. Now, I'll tell you what, from a Christian point of view, hey, he is, to me, no different than any other child. He is a blessing from God. And I wouldn't have it any other way. And they feel the same way. And they're just as filled, just as blessed with him as any of the other kids they have. They have five children, and he's the second to the last. Four of them are girls. He's the only boy. <laughs> well, selective still- abortion would have changed a lot there, wouldn't right. it have? It would have sure. changed a lot depending upon who was talking about the baby. And when I say selective abortion, that's aborting it because it's a girl, because they're autistic, because they're a Downs baby. Selective abortion is the new argument. That they're moving towards right and and that to me is no absolutely not i i just don't agree with any of that because you can love your child it's like i've talked to a number of people that have children that have problems and they are to them are just feel just as blessed with their child that child as they even if that child may live four, five, six years, they feel just as blessed having that child as any of the kids. Amen. And again, just kind of hopping back under the philosophical chair and just going to wrap, it, wrap up the, the whole stream, kind of going one back up. If you think human life has a value based on a sliding scale, whether it's in the uterus, out of the uterus, partly out, Maybe this child has been born and been on the table for seven minutes. As in Virginia, as in New York, where they're talking about even post-birth abortions, where that's the murmuring. If you think that, where does the line stop? Where does the line stop? And and guess what? It doesn't, it's not going to stop at you just because you're you. You're looking at the destruction of the value the human being you're dehumanizing that child and when you dehumanize one human you have devalued every human. Right. just remember that from a political perspective whenever you give the government the power to allow or god forbid mandate value of human life it's out the door and the economic side guys not be fooled by planned parenthood you realize that they make three hundred, five hundred, five thousand dollars per visit in those clinics, depending upon state and doctor. Do not think that they are your friends. You are a paycheck. There are countless women who have been permanently maimed. Who maybe you want to have kids later. If they screw up with those forceps in your in your body, you're not having kids. They've done that over and over again. Botched abortions are not uncommon. Remember that you are just a paycheck to them. Whereas, if you can find a God-honoring, loving church that will love you as God loves them, as God loves you, you can find that support. God always finds a way to provide. All you have to do is show up. You know, here's a an economic thing from chair of economics is is that abortion going to Planned Parenthood can be looked at as the same as going to Molech giving your child up for a better life and prosperity in life they're saying the same thing come have an abortion and we'll make your life better and you can go have a career and make more money by not having to deal with raising a child. That's What's exactly, the difference? That's exactly it. It's the same thing. It's the same thing. Nothing yeah. different right there. 
So with that in mind, if you like this podcast, like, comment, share, subscribe, all that good stuff. We are on YouTube. We are on Rumble. Yes. Hey, Rumble, we see you. Uh, thank you for the subs. You guys are pl- plotting right along. Uh, give us a give us a rumble. Give us a like, whatever you wherever uh, you are. And uh, podcast is now surpassed uh, one hundred and ten thousand. I think we're I think we're getting closer to one hundred and twenty thousand downloads by the grace of God. Thank yeah. you for the podcast. We are on YouTube, and if you're watching YouTube or Rumble, uh, you can see that I'm producing today. This producer is out, but um, tell us in the comment section down below. Do you know anyone who is or has been abortion minded? And have you tried to reach out to them? We'd love to hear your stories as long as they're within the con- – don't out anyone. But as long as you're within the confines of reason, we'd love to hear that. With that said, thank you so much. Y'all have a wonderful day. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right. If you're still here, one more thing for you. <laughs> one more thing. We either put you to sleep or you are indeed the super uh, listener. With that said, going around the room, which – part of this three-part study was the most interesting learning about the ancient gods and their influence in the world today, Baal, Ashtoreth, or Molech, and which piece was the most insightful? Well, I think Baal. How so? Well, because not just the piece here, but I also listened to uh, stuff outside of here about Baal, and um, he was called the family god. Very Mm -hmm. interesting. Um, but yeah, I would say, you know, there's a lot more that could be said about that. It's incredible. Yes. He's, he's yeah. the, he's the, uh, Sumerian Zeus. Yeah. Yes. Right. Um, Oleg. Oleg. Yeah. yeah. Um, the abortion issue, I'm, you know, very much pro-life person. Um, I've known some people that have had abortion and not easy. No, it's not. So for me, it would definitely have to be Ashtoreth. I found that study to be really interesting. I didn't know that she was the goddess of sex changes. Kind of wild. Also the goddess of feminism, of the warrior woman. But uh, tell us down in the comment section if you got something out of this three-part series. Uh, Thank you so much. We love you. Bye-bye. Bye.